Well, good evening, everybody. It's so great to have you with us again on uh, these nights with uh, Apostle Mike Connell. What a phenomenal time we've been having. Uh, the feedback has been enormous um, in positive ways, of course. Before I um, get my, um, Apostle Mike to, to bring a welcome to you, I just want to make an announcement. Um, I have done some research concerning the up-and-coming election. Uh, and, of course, one, most of you will realise that there is a referendum. One of uh, the what is prop popularly called the euthanasia bill, um, people being able to uh, sort of have their, their end of life, end their life for uh, whatever reason um, under sickness and also whether or not we vote for marijuana. Um, on both of these, uh, we will be uh, playing these on Tuesday nights. But I want to say this. I would advise everyone listening, don't vote on the referendum until you've listened to these two interviews. As an example, I am in the middle of reading um, the book called The Final Choice by Caroline Trays. I want to tell you, it absolutely is transforming my understanding of what this is all about. In fact, you may not realize that uh, when um, the medical profession went to um, the, the government on this, I think it was close to 100% of doctors are against this bill. Um, and there's lots of reasons, lots of thinking behind it that I didn't understand. And this is absolutely essential viewing before you do the vote. And of course, the, the, the statistics and the facts that have been suppressed by our government, that have been suppressed by the media, um, there was a report done on the issue of marijuana that um, that actually had to get released through the Official Information Act that wasn't released. And when that did, it is just showing you without any shadow of a doubt which way that you have to vote. I mean, they're just facts and statistics about this that are not being uh, not being put into the media. Uh, and so we need to we need to be um, thoroughly equipped before we go into the referendum. So please, uh, these things will be broadcast on the 6th of October and the 29th of September, Tuesday nights. I'll be, um, I'll be uh, live with Carolise. Uh, Aaron, we're gonna have to pre-record, but these are gonna be essential viewing. But uh, Pastor Mike, thank you once again for being with us. We are, I know that my people have just been loving you. Why don't you just bring your greetings before we get underway? Hey, Brent, great to be with you again, and uh, welcome to everyone who's watching online. It's uh, great to have you with us, and uh, I've been enjoying these sessions and uh, uh, the interaction I have with uh, Pastor Brent, and it's just, I, I just love what God is doing, and I trust that uh, what we're sharing is just opening your uh, thinking around uh, God's eternal purpose and uh, what is required of us to be fully a part of that. Wow, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mike, I want to get straight into it because, uh, you know, we just have got to watch our time on these uh, sessions. <laughs> we only get one question done, it seems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things I, I hope we'll be able to get into, but, uh, but I want to get down to some of the very important applications and implications of what we've been talking about regarding the kingdom of God. And I want to in, uh, address in particular to start with, a most important understanding. And it's really a truth that I know that for a lot of Christians would be very uncomfortable for them, which uh, which revolves around the loss of reward 
and ultimately what out of darkness means for Christians. Now, I know we've touched this a little bit, but let's just uh, begin with 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15. For no man can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. For now, if any man builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. Now, I know that we've touched on aspects of this, uh, Mike, but... Um, yeah, we've talked about what we build upon our lives and so on and the process of testing the fire of God. But I just want you to unfold that with, with just a little bit more clarity. Um, and in particular, verse 15, where it says, I'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. Have you got any thoughts to share on that to start with? Yeah. <clears throat> well, he's, the context of it all is Paul is talking about building. And uh, he, he talks that we are God's planting. Also, we are God's building. So... The reference then is to not is to what we're building and how we're building. And so he says, for every person to become part of the building of God, we must have a foundation there. That's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our initial response to, by faith, receive him and receive a standing with God uh, as a child of God, not by any works we do, but solely on the work of Christ. Ephesians 2, we're saved uh, by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. So it's totally the work of Christ that positions us in the family of God. Now what's required of us is that we grow or that we build our lives. So he uses the picture of a child growing to sonship, full sonship. We'll, we'll discuss that in the later passage, Romans 8. And in this one, he's using the imagery or the metaphor of a building. So a foundation is laid, unseen, hidden. Now we build our life. Mm. And so God is wanting us to be built. What is he building? He's building us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So there is a building work that we become intentional. And then there's a work we do serving the Lord. So notice now, as he's going there, he talks about the options of how we might build. We can build with different materials. We can build wood, hay, stubble which uh, always is symbolic of human effort, human motivations, wow. which has self at the center of it. Yep. So building with wood, hay, stubble refers to the motivation. Notice what he says, for each one's work will be made clear, for the day will declare it, it will be revealed by fire, the fire will teach each one's work what sort it is. Mm. So what God is looking for is not just the work, but the nature of the work. What wow. is the character of the work? Is this spirit originated and love-based? Or is this flesh-initiated and self-centered? In other words, that we're using our gifts, our abilities to enhance and build our own kingdom, and we're the center of that kingdom, or are we building something that will bring honor to God? So Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, John 17, 3, I have honored you or glorified you. I finished the work you gave me to do. Yep. So notice there that bringing honor to God, bringing glory to God is not just about the prayer. It's also, do the works I do reflect what God is like and do they bring honor to God? In other words, it's about building his kingdom. And that's what sons do. Sons represent their father. They bring the father's will into being and then they bring honor to their father. 
and then the fathers likewise honor and lift up the son. So you notice there, then he says, the work, the fire will test what, what sort it is. And uh, so you've got gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. The gold, silver, precious stones are the, speak of a heavenly nature, the heavenly character. Basically, it's really spirit-filled, spirit-directed works and activities as compared to religious carnal uh, activities and busyness that's really basically around me and my needs and what I want and building my ministry. So, so right now you see people building impressive things, but we, we don't know exactly what really is the core of their motivation. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul said, don't judge anything before the time because God will reveal, you know, the very motives of the heart and then will every man receive reward if the, if, if the motivations are okay. So he goes on this, each one work will become clear, the day will declare it. So he makes it plain that right now it's not obvious what's happening. But he says the day, he's referring to the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord's coming, the day of his revelation to the earth. And in that day, he will uncover what has been happening so that what's genuine can be rewarded and what isn't genuine will suffer loss. So that brings us to where he's going now. If anyone, anyone's work which he has built on endures, endures what? Endures the scrutiny of the Holy Spirit, the fire is the purifying fire. It's the mm. refiner's way. He was, our God is a consuming fire. He will serve as a refiner. So in other words, you and I are, are working, we're serving the Lord, we're building ministry, doing this, doing that. And to, to people that might look impressive, to God, he's going to say, well, I'm just going to run the fire through it all. And let's have a look when I put my scrutiny through it, just what stands up as being uh, of a divine nature. It's, it's motivated virtually by love. There's no agenda in it for me. And, and uh, Paul, sorry, even Jesus in preaching in, in Luke chapter 6, he, he says, you know, if you, uh, if you uh, love those who love you, what, what reward or what grace, that word is the word grace, what, what real power of God is in your life if all you're doing is what everyone else does in the world? Yep. They love people who love them. In other words, they pay back someone who's paid them. He said, or, or, you know, you give hoping to receive. So basically the world system operates on a selfish agenda. Uh, you've been kind to me, so I'll be kind back. So I just make this even. Or I'm going to be kind to you, but actually I've got a hidden agenda. There's something I want to extract from you. So it's that self-centered nature, the old Adamic nature. That's what he's going to put to the test on what we do. Now, of course, that's going to flush up a lot of things, Brent, isn't it? <laughs> And then he says, if anyone's uh, work is uh, burned, uh, sorry, if anyone's work endures, he will receive a reward. Now, Paul doesn't go into explaining the rewards. The rewards are explained in a whole number of other places. But particularly if you go through the book of Revelation, there's at least 17 different rewards proposed. Oh. And every one of those rewards can be put under one of three headings, uh, the heading of eternal intimacy, a realm of deep and personal intimacy beyond what we've experienced, where we see him face to face and we enjoy a closeness and intimacy with him. And then uh, secondly, eternal authority, where we're called to then partner with him at various levels of responsibility, uh, executing and working with him, uh, the implementation of his kingdom right through the earth, the changing of the governmental system of the earth, the changing of the cultures of the earth, the bringing peace to the nations. My, my, wow. Or what, what, 
<laughs> that's the real deal. This is our eternal destiny to work with them. And then finally, eternal glory, where there's, a, there's an honor placed on us that's visible for all. So if any man's work endures, he'll receive reward. However, if his work is burned up, it says he will suffer loss or experience something. He, in other words, something he could have had access to, which was laid out as the reward for faithful stewardship, now will be removed from him. In other words, he had to qualify for it. And then it says he himself will be saved. So it's not, it's making it very clear. We're not talking salvation here. Yep. Salvation is based on the work of someone else. So he's not, he, the guy is saved. However, all that he's put his life into counts for nothing when it comes to God's acknowledgement of it for eternity. Yep. And so that, that brings, and the imagery there in the original language is, He's built a house and it caught fire and he got out and he's smelling of the smoke and his clothes are burned and smoky and he's saved, but everything he built is gone. So it's, it's a very, very powerful passage there, making it very clear of the possibility of reward and the possibility of loss. And Jesus puts it a different way. You might like this. Uh, you're familiar with the parable of the, uh, the parable of the talents and the parable of the uh, of, of the pounds or the miners. Now, if I don't go into the parables, but if I just lay out this, that the king is about to depart, that's Jesus. Yep. And he knows you'll return, and he's bringing with him his kingdom. What he wants is people to help administer his kingdom. Yes. So how, where is he going to find those people? Now, so he devises a test. He devises a way that he will be able to select those who can actually partner with them and what level of capacity they have in it. Here's the test. He gives them talents now. Yep. And the period of your life or the period between uh, the master leaving and returning is the period of church history. <laughs> Whereas for, for most of us, it's just our life. So yes. my life now, I am preparing for the master's return and for the reward that he has. And what he's looking for is being faithful. What he's looking for, have I built in such a way that I brought pleasure to him and brought honor to him? Wow. And then, of course, you're familiar. The same dynamic in that story, the one with five got five. It's the five he got that qualified him as being a faithful man. Not the five that were given to him. It's what he did with them. Yes. And then the one with the two received, a, Lord, your two have made another two. It's the two he gained is what qualified him for reward. Yep. And both of them in that parable gained 100%, meaning it's just a picture of they maximized their return. They were fully committed and they did the very best they could. And the reward offered them is exactly the same. Whereas in the parable of the pounds, you see different diligence. They all got one. They started the same. And then one ends 10. So his... He's put in more effort, more he's, he's been more diligent. He's applied himself. There's a sacrificial element in it, more fruitful. So he's given more in the coming kingdom. So you see the justice of God. To me, it's evidence that God is a just God. We wow. see it at the cross, and now we see it in the issue of eternal rewards. So people who think you can just mosey along to church and do whatever you like, and it's just a bit of church on Sunday, uh, they're not understanding that God is a just God. He doesn't got to put up with that nonsense. That that basically the call is so so great that Paul calls it the high calling of God. Yes. 
And he said it's a prize to be won, 1 Corinthians 9. Mm. And that prize, and, and he said, I'm not even sure I'll make it. Yeah. After all we've done. I know. I know. It's, it's quite horrifying. It's, <laughs> it's a bit scary, Brett, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you know, I, I can imagine a person listening to this is they, um, they're going to get stuck on, okay, this being true. Um, you made the statement, the core of their motivation. And I would think that the obvious question a person must ask themselves is, is what I'm doing, is it motivated by the right principles or not? Because that's going to determine whether I lose or gain a reward. How does a, a Christian um, evaluate whether they have got a godly, true, kingdom-orientated heart motivation or whether actually their motivation is, is just completely screwed up? <laughs> I say probably the fruit of what their ministry is will give one evidence of it. Yep. Because you, you, you can't bring good fruit off a bad tree. Yep. And the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit not just of trying hard to be a good boy. It's actually the fruit of being surrendered and yielded to the Holy Spirit. It's all to do with being led by the Spirit, to, to having a, a life surrendered to the Holy Spirit and learning then to listen to Him and follow Him. I, I think it also requires diligence that we don't just uh, um, settle for what we've, been, what we've uh, received in the past. We've actually got a hunger for God and to be current in the hour. So it's that, that's why all the warnings are watch and pray, watch and pray, watch. We're going to watch what's going on in your life, watch what's happening in your ministry, watch what the Spirit of God is doing. Be sensitive comes about through a prayer life. Now, how can I know what's in my heart and motivations? I don't think anyone knows truly what's in their heart, but the Holy Spirit does. He searches the hearts of men. He's able to divide asunder. So I think if we will give the Holy Spirit permission now rather than wait to the end, like, you know, David's prayer, search me, O God, try my heart, see if there be any wicked way in me. Well, what a prayer is that? That's an invitation to God. Have a look at every corner of my heart. If things aren't right, show me. Yep. If there's things I need to learn, teach me. So I think if we develop the heart qualities of the kingdom, the download, we will produce the fruit of the kingdom. So most people focus on the externals rather than the internals. So the, the, the core of Jesus' character is summed up in two words, humility, meekness. So I need to do a study and need to then cry out, God, like I pray daily, God, uh, Lord, create in me a, a meek and humble heart. Create in me a faithful and loyal heart. Yeah, yeah. See? Create in me a wise and understanding heart. Because when you look in the Bible, if you have wisdom and understanding, then everything else comes to you. If you have humility and meekness, God promotes you and increases your influence. Yeah. So I think that developing those heart qualities, I think looking at ourselves, you can't see where you're going wrong. You need downloads of revelation. You need exposure to apostolic ministry to see the apostolic building patterns. Yeah. So I think that one problem for, so one is, Pray the prayer. Start to ask the Lord to show you what's going on in your heart, your motivations, and to reveal and uncover it. I think, two, apply yourself to growing the character of Christ because in doing that, you'll see more clearly. And I think, three, give yourself to studying the apostolic and apostolic teaching on uh, the kingdom and eternal rewards and apostolic building, and that will shift the paradigms around church 
away from a pastoral church into an apostolic type church, which is what God is building for the end times. I think without revelation, we just build according to what we've seen. So we need to actually have revelation and we need to see people building in a different way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it really does come down to the fact, are we going to build a pastoral church that makes yes. us feel good, which I just don't agree with. I, don't, I, I think a pastoral gift is fantastic and necessary. Yes. In the long run, the, you know, the, the Bible says that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and they establish governmental understanding of what yes. is required of your life. And, right. I, and I so take on board what you say. And, and actually, Mike, I've prayed the same thing. God, that you just keep shining a light upon my heart yes, so that yeah. you don't reveal any wicked way in me. So yeah. that anything that is done out of a wrong motivation, Lord, you would expose that. And I think that's an absolute mission critical prayer because Absolutely. it is about what is what is driving you to do what you do. Yes. As an example, many people are doing what they do because they need people's affirmation. Yes. Uh, they need, they've actually, they create codependency around them and all yes. of these type of things. But actually, they're ultimately, there's no fruit in it. And no. I'd like you to comment on this. See, one of the ways that I have evaluated um, my life, if you like, and other people's lives is um, are people advantaged and built up? And made better because of their connection and contact with me. Or oh, not. I yes. mean, very good, very good. Can you comment on do you that? Do add value? Do I add value to a person, or is it actually all about me? Yes. <laughs> True. Very good. Well done. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well. Well, Mike. Um, you know, coming to Christ, your scripture there, you know, there's that scripture in Luke 6 where he said, you know, you know, we talked about having grace on you. Then he finishes it saying, he said, if you love those that don't love you or if you bless those who curse you and pray for those who despitefully use you. And he said, if you, if you, if you love without expecting anything in return or lend without expecting anything in return, he said, notice what he says, then shall you be the sons, mature sons of your father, because he's kind to the just and the unjust <laughs> and you will receive reward. So, Right there, it's laid out of the importance of our heart motivation in terms of establishing identity and in terms of uh, qualifying for reward. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's very convicting stuff and it it's very uncomfortable stuff. If you have not been exposed to the idea that God is going to hold you accountable for the life that you live. And we're not talking about a person having a ministry like an apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, or whatever. It's, talk, it's talking about that you walk in the gifting and the grace that yeah. God has favored you with and, and utilizing that to, to its fullest extent so that there is growth and expansion in your life. And so, you know, and, and to me, it, it's not about whether you're a pastor or not a pastor. Or whatever. It's about what you do with what Very God good. has given you, and God will hold you accountable to that. Right. And, you, you know. Um, I was, Brent, just a moment, I was just looking at that, um, into that parable of the uh, Matthew 25. I've been doing a study on it. Here's what I hadn't seen before. This really surprised me as I studied it and looked at it. The, you know the parable. So the, there are more verses on the one talent man 
than there are on the other two. If you go to the parable preceding it, the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins, there are more verses on the foolish ones than on the wise. If you go to the parable preceding that in Matthew 24, there are more verses on the unfaithful servant than there are on the faithful servant. Now, that tells us that the emphasis on the parables is on the unfaithful one. And warning them. And warning them. In fact, all through it, Jesus is warning. Watch and pray. Make sure you're prepared. So it's all about how easy it is to neglect or to to look down on or treat as having uh, as of little value the gifting that God has given you. In other words, we look at highly gifted people and highly resourced people, highly trained, all that kind of thing. We, we are, I haven't got anything. Actually, you have. And that's the one that God's putting the warning mostly towards is the one who plays down or undervalues what they do have. You know, like Moses, you know, I can't do it. He said, what do you got in your hand? I, I, just to start. Okay, I'll use that. What do you got in the house? Oh, I got some oil. Okay, we'll, we'll use that. What, what, how can we feed the crowd? What, what do you got in your hand? I've got a, just a couple of fishes, nothing much. But it was, in each case, it became available and the hand of God made fruit from it. You know, Mike, another way of putting it is, um, you know, you have got to acknowledge and define what God has given you. Yes. If you downplay that, what you are actually doing is you are inviting demonic spirits of unbelief to be superimposed upon your life. Whereas if you acknowledge what God's given you, no matter how small it is, you yes. are inviting the spirit of faith, the anointing yes. of faith to come around you. In other words, you superimpose upon the little of what you've got with faith, yes, God's given this, and that gives us a platform for growth and expansion. One of the things that I I, uh, I do when I'm feeling a little naughty, I'd have to say, Mike, when I'm preaching on Matthew 25, is saying, pleading with everybody, please do not use the talent God has given you. Please don't use it, because what's going to happen is he's going to take it off you and he's going to give it to me. Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> you value it. And a productive. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, we say it, you know, with fun and with a bit of a joke, but actually the truth of it is one guy had five, got 10, and he ended up with 11. Yes. Because God, and you see, Not that's much socialism why. in that, Brent. No socialism in that. And <laughs> that's why you have uh, uh, these these mega ministries, these these super powerful ministries when actually we were all meant to be that. But actually what I see is that there's a whole lot of talents that have been taken off people and given to these guys because who's going to use the talent? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Very good, very good. <laughs> well, well Mike, of course, that, that brings back why five-fold ministry must equip and mature people so they can be productive. Yeah. Well, well, okay, we're getting into some deep water now. Where do you want to go? We were talking, you asked, you started off asking about uh, out of darkness, and we, we're just about there. We nearly got there. We got yeah, well, so as by fire, but we didn't say where he was. <laughs> okay, so let's let's come on to that because I I think it's really important that people understand what out of darkness is in terms of the Book of Revelation and other places in the Scriptures. We know it not to be hell, but it is a place that Christians end up in, and I'd like you just to define that and show us biblically where where we get that understanding wow. from. 
Well, it's only mentioned three times in the Bible. So, of course, one place it's mentioned is in, the, in Matthew 25 in the parable of the virgins. It's also mentioned, I think, somewhere about Matthew 8, about the kingdom, people who are called to the kingdom and then being outside the kingdom where there's out of darkness, weeping and gnashing teeth. So there are about three references altogether. So if we take the, the parable of the, uh, of the virgins, it's probably the best one. You yep. actually see what's being taught. It gives a better context. And, of course, there, what's at stake there is the, the marriage supper, the celebration of the union of the husband and the wife, and, and which, of course, a picture of the church, and it's being prepared for the coming of Jesus the groom. And, uh, of course, the big thing in there is that the bride had to make herself ready. Hmm. And so you have uh, five virgins are wise, five are foolish, all are virgins, and, we are, and Paul wrote that we are virgins because we've been espoused to Christ. Uh, so that's talking everyone is a believer. Everyone has a lamp. So that means we've all got some measure of light, some measure of revelation. We've all got oil. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's the basic difference between the wise. The wise and the foolish was the personal preparation, the payment of a price that they might have sufficient oil. So in yep. other words, saying that the presence of God saturating our life mm. comes about by paying the price in prayer and seeking him, time in his word, time of yielding to him. There is a price to pay. And then, of course, when the shout came, those who were ready, prepared, went into the feast. The others, uh, the door, they, they, they had to go and buy. They had to pay then the price. And, of course, it's too late. So then they come and the door is shut. They're excluded. Uh, I never knew you mean you didn't pay the price of intimacy in the journey. You had this wonderful destiny you were called to and you didn't value it enough to invest into your personal preparation for it. And uh, we see the picture, one of the classic pictures of the preparation is seen in, in Esther 2 of Esther preparing herself for becoming the bride of a king. And if you look in there, you see the symbolism of it is very simple. Uh, she did these things. She, she did some things that no one else did yep. and it caused to be selected. She surrendered to Haggai, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit who knew the king's heart and what he desired to do it, only the things he said. So there's a, a right away surrender to the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit. Secondly, she submitted to the, the baths of myrrh for six months, which is a picture of allowing God to bring the, basically what they do is they rub the myrrh into the skin yep. and uh, it would bring purifying from the grime and the grit and the dust and the dirt. And it was basically a symbolic of the healing work of the Holy Spirit, uh, shifting the dirt and the grime, purifying wow. our motivations and heart, all that kind of stuff. And then six months of the rubbing in of oil, which softened the skin and made it glow and, and smelled beautiful. So that's the picture of the, the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And, of course, 6 and 6 and 12, the governance of God, submitting to the governance of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, and committing to the process of being cleansed and, and made sweet for the Lord. And so she accessed and came in to, the, uh, to become the, the, the bride. So in the parable of, the, of the, uh, the five foolish virgins, they are shut in the darkness without. Outer darkness just means the darkness outside the marriage feast. So at the time it took place, if you read the parable, is uh, midnight, so therefore it's the darkest hour. There's no street lamps, so therefore it's completely dark. The only light would be the light inside the house, and the feast is so lit up with there's lights everywhere, there's music, there's dancing, there's shouting, there's feasting, there's celebration. The groom has come, the bride and the groom are celebrating with their friends. So the outer darkness is you're outside that. You can see it happening, but you're outside of that. And so when you compare 
being in the house, which is full of light and celebration and joy and gladness, you are outside of that. And therefore you're in the darkness outside the celebration compared to the two. It's just a, a way of comparing uh, that compared to this, to that, that's light. This is darkness. You're suffering loss. You're experiencing loss of what could have been yours if you were wise and prepared, but instead were foolish and wasted the course of your life. Very similar to the course, the, the parables that follows. It, it's acting wisely with eternity in mind or acting foolishly with what's short and close up in mind. And so the darkness without is being excluded from the marriage feast, being excluded from the first resurrection, being excluded from the glory of, uh, of sharing in Christ and establishing his kingdom in the earth, are being excluded then from a deep intimate partnership and friendship with him and are being excluded from the honor that faithful service would have brought. Hence, weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is just a, uh, like a colonial, like an expression that they would understand sorrow and anger and frustration at yourself that you wasted those opportunities. It's frightening, isn't it? It is. That, that one yeah, frightens me. It gives you the fear of the Lord. <laughs> so, <laughs> so can we just, just take a moment to, to think about the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Christ? Because fundamentally what I'm picking up and what you're saying is that they will be excluded because they don't get raised in the first resurrection. They are excluded from the establishment of the millennial reign of Christ on the earth. And of course, following that will be a second resurrection and then yes. eventually the whole of the earth and the universe rolled up and then a new heaven, new earth. But but we're really talking about the whole the whole thing of Christ is coming back. He's going to establish his kingdom on this earth. Will you be a partner with him in that or not? I mean, that's fundamentally what you're saying, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. You couldn't have put it clearer. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And, uh, and so that's where the area of um, difference comes among many Christians. There are some who take the position that the first resurrection has already happened. They just consider that when you got saved, you resurrected. But Paul rebuked Hymenius and some other guy because they were preaching that doctrine. Yeah. He rebuked them and cut them off. They were preaching that. Yeah. Paul constantly refers to the fact that the first resurrection was a prize to be won. So, for example, Philippians 3, he said, you know, I, I, he said, I count all things but done for the excellency of knowledge of Christ that I might win him. So why would he say win Christ? if it was already sure that he had everything. Yeah. He has a portion of Christ. He has a portion of, of what, what God has promised. Like we have a, we're sealed with the, 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 the Holy Ghost, which is the, the down payment of the fullness. We don't have the fullness. We have a down payment of it. And so he then says, and then he talks about in Philippians 3, if I just uh, look it up right now for us, and I read it exactly so, so I don't try to say things that aren't there. And uh, but the the frame the wording of it's free. He said that I might know him, verse ten, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So he's now talking about the process of maturity, yep. intimacy with him, experiencing the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings means uh, something that we share in common. 
Jesus was rejected in his life and his ministry. As we wholeheartedly follow him, we face rejection, misunderstandings, and we go through some of the the sufferings that he went through, and we can share around those common, like soldiers in a common battle, you've got battle stories to share, fellowship of the sufferings. I think we've got a few of those. Yeah, yeah, heaps of them. Scars (laughs) all over. and uh, being conformed to his death. So you notice that, that there's a conformity. His death was one of surrender and obedience to the Father. Yep. So what he's saying is this is all about the maturing process. If by any means, now the statement, if by any means leaves it possible, I may not get there. You know, if by any means, Acts 27, if by any means we, we set out on the ship, if by any means we might get to that place, they didn't get there. <laughs> they were shipwrecked on the way. So if by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead, and that's the word ex-anastasis, the out from resurrection, ek-nectron, from the dead. It's the first resurrection. Not that I've already attained it, nor have become the perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. So he's very clear. Twice he states yeah. that it's a prize, and twice he states that he hasn't got it. But at the end of his life, he then affirms, so right there when he's writing this, he's not sure he's going to make it, but right just before he's martyred, he says, obviously in Revelation, I've, run, I've finished my course, I've run my race, I've fought the, the fight of faith, I've kept the faith, henceforth is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. So at the very end of his life, he knew he got it. So, so he's saying very clearly here, this is a prize to be won. Now, I, I don't think that many believe, that a lot of believers understand this whole thing of the maturing process of God and the necessity of it. It's like, it's just, it's like, and, and you, you, you shared with me a scripture before in Romans chapter eight. So perhaps we can even look at that if you want to get, go there or if you want to talk a little bit more just around that first resurrection. Well, well, well before we get to Romans eight, see, I'm, I'm looking at Philippians three. And of course you, you missed out verse 13 and 14. I'm reading from the new American. Brethren, sure. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and I mean, let's forget about all the people that have hurt you and offended you and stop carrying those into your present and future. (laughs) Reaching toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anyone has a different attitude, God will reveal it to you. I mean, he's just, it's black and white, isn't it, Mike? It's black and white. It's basically saying, you are meant to be pressing on toward a goal. It's a prize. It's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul didn't really know whether he had attained it or not, but he was holding out for attaining to it. And, I mean, what does that say to us? Yes. (laughs) It's a very powerful scripture, you know. And let, let any as be mature or have the right way of thinking think the same way so he's saying you need to be thinking like i'm thinking this is the prize of all prizes this this, you can count everything you've done and everything you've received all the achievement just don't even consider them anymore focus on the things that are ahead otherwise you look too far back and you see what you've done well you know you're going to take you're going to say oh i have done enough now i can rest i can retire how about that i can retire (laughs) oh man yeah, you, you listen. RIP means retired in peace. Before then, you've got a work to do. You've always got an assignment to do. We don't quit because we're getting older. So, 
so let us be of the same mind. In other words, think the same way he thought yeah. that this is a prize. It's worth everything because it's a prize that's eternal. Everything around me is temporal. So I'm going to leave it behind and keep pressing forward. And I, for me, honestly, Brent, that passage there has kept me through everything. Oh, absolutely. I'm the same, Mike. I mean, I mean, Philippians 3 has got to be one of the foundational passages that every Christian absolutely out of. Absolutely. And to miss that, you've missed the essence of what, what was driving the New Testament church. Yes. Well, they all had understanding of this. Yes, they did. So, so therefore, there's not, there may not be lots of references to it because they taught this as basic yes. teaching. Therefore, it's their foundations of Hebrews 6, the doctrine of resurrection and the, the, the eternal judgments. And, and so they, they, this was already laid for people. They understood this. This was their hope. Yep. When he talks about the hope, he's talking about this. Yeah. And so he's urging the church on. So he doesn't have to keep explaining it because he already, he's already taught it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas, whereas the church, as, as it's gone into the 20th and 21st century, is trying to make the, the message palatable to the taste. Where actually there's nothing palatable to the taste on this. This is about personal responsibility yeah. accountability, faithfulness, endurance, suffering, yes. Yes. Your, your life down. And it doesn't yep. matter whether you're a fivefold ministry or whether you're a businessman or whether you're a school teacher or whether you're a person working in the warehouse. It doesn't matter where you are living out your life, but the principle, the governance of your life is about you pressing on and serving God. I mean, it's just so obvious. Yeah, we see oh. in Colossians 3.23, where he's talking about how to relate to one another. He gets servants. Now, you're not talking about, you know, like someone who's just working, but he's talking about someone who's a slave. Servants, he said, he said, serve, not with eye service as men pleases, but from the heart as to the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of inheritance. So clearly... There's a message about inheritance and the reward of the inheritance we have as a reward for how we serve. And he's not talking about a big ministry. He's just talking someone working in a Roman household, serving and doing the menial tasks. He's saying, listen, no matter how menial the task, and even if you're compelled, even if the person over you is harsh, you keep your heart attitude and make it your act of worship to the Lord and you qualify for reward. Well, it's, it's Romans 12, uh, in absolute perfection. I, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of, of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you might prove what yes. the will of God is and what is the good and acceptable and perfect. What is the what yes. is good, acceptable, and perfect? Yeah. <laughs> so that starts stuff. that starts, you notice, in the place of prayer with surrender. Yeah. It's it's basically restating, or it's another way of putting Jesus' prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, Present your body. Well, the body is is what you express your God given life in the earth. Present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. So that's I do that daily. Uh, present not just my body, my spirit. My I start with my heart because there's the affections and desires. My spirit, uh, the faculties of the spirit, the soul, the mind, the emotions, 
and then the body to express my life through. And I, I believe it's a very powerful thing that we present ourselves consciously, every aspect of ourselves, that we can bring pleasure to God and, and enjoy him today. You know, um, when we go on with, um, with the verses following that in Romans chapter 12, of course, he talks about two things. He talks about the gifts. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, um, but think with sound judgment. He talks about the gifts that we've got and, our, and the use of that service, of those gifts, and the, the interrelationship that that has with, with the body of Christ. In other words, with other Christians. Yes. Because what that, what that basically does is, guys, we're in this together. But yes. you see, we're many members of a body. So make sure you're in a body, that you're a participator within that body. One of the yeah. things that I think is, is just outrageously dangerous is this tendency, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be part of the body. I, you know, I'm okay. I don't need to have all this stuff with leadership and governance and blah and tithing and all the And you see, what that person is basically saying is, I am surrendering myself to self and not to Holy Spirit. Because yeah. all through, whether it's um, the book of Corinthians, from Corinthians chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, which is all about our relationship into the body of Christ. He says, you know, you, you'll, you'll have judgment if you do not discern the Lord's body. What's he talking about? The body, you and I, being in relationship together. Um, here in Romans 12, he's talking about the body, the family the connection. I mean, these are so important to understand the maturity process that you and I have and go through is very much in relationship one with another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think you've had something very powerful. Uh, Brent, I think one of the things is that we read the scripture through Western cultural eyes. Yes, yes. And the Western culture is very much uh, based on individuals and it's also based on personal rights. And so the Western culture emphasizes the law, right and wrong, personal rights, and then it's all about me. And so the Western culture is very, very individualistic, self-oriented. And so there's some very good things come about as a result of that because it, it gives everyone then responsibility for their own progress in life. However, the Bible culture, the culture of the Middle East, the culture of 70% yeah. of the world is not that kind of culture. So the dilemma is we read a Western mindset and so it's all the promises of God are all my promises. No, they're to a people. You can personalize them and it's right to do that, but you've got to remember it's all written to a corporate body. So most of the writings here have in mind a community called the church. Yes, yes. And the promises that are made are a community. It's all the one another's. Yeah, love yeah. one another, forgive one another, be kind to one another, you know, honor one another. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Serve one another, you know, make if you got a gift, be a steward of your gift, bless one another. So, so all these one another's uh, highly emphasize that we are a community, we're a family, and I think it's atrocious, atrocious what goes on in terms of people treating relationships in the church so casually. Yeah, they could walk away after years being in a church, never saying a word. Yeah, I, it's 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 yeah. just no understanding that not only are we in covenant relationship with Jesus, but we're also in covenant relationship with one another. Yeah, that is the nature of the relationship. Yeah, 
And so, so people bring into the church a Western culture, which is very I, me, what's in this for me, and very much about my life and not about community. And hence, that's why you read Romans 12, 1, present your body. In other words, make, yield your life so God can join you to others. You'll be a blessing to them. And then he says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world shape you to be like its values and culture. Individualistic, what's in this for me, using people, contra uh, you know, contractual relationships. Oh, man. Horrendous. Well, you know, Mike, it, it, it comes down to some very gutsy things. Like, for instance, oh, I'm going to leave this church because they're not meeting my needs anymore. Now, what, a, what an absolutely ungodly, unbiblical, non-kingdom orientation thinking that is. Because yeah. actually what happens is, well, if you've grown and you consider yourself as growing up, maybe what should be happening is you should be getting begin to meet the needs of others and minister to others instead of saying, well, they're not meeting my needs anymore. I'm out of here. And you see, what you do is you break relationship. And that's why when people leave the church without doing it, or leave a particular a, a group of, of church, a church or whatever, what they, they just do not understand that there have been spiritual bondings that have taken place. Yes. And when suddenly someone just ups and leaves what they don't realize is they have broken a spiritual bond and that creates huge grief in those yeah. that are left. Yeah. And you see, so, so very often churches are full of grief because of the, the violation of biblical relationship principles. Very true. Very, very true. And it, it is absolutely tragic because, and here's the bottom line. The person that leaves like that without going through due process and, and deal with whatever issues, well, basically, I have, to be honest, Mike, I have, I don't know that I can ever point to a person that has actually reached the potential that they could have reached when they've done this. And I have the advantage because I've been around this since the 1970s. And I see that people that leave a church. Long time, a long time. A long time, but you've been there around longer than I have. But when they, when they leave with wrong attitude, wrong motivation, not led by the Holy Spirit, whatever, whatever, um, they actually create their own personal destructive processes because it, it is what every joint supplies. Yes. And, and I think it's dishonoring to people that have sown in them, invested in them, and love them. Yeah. And, uh, and what it does, what, what's of great concern also is not just the damage it does to relationships and the disheartenment to others, but also it's the next generation. They're giving a message to the next generation that my commitments don't really matter, yes. that honoring the house of God is not important. Yeah. And so what I have observed over years is many people that left, and it's okay to leave if you're leaving by revelation, not by reaction. Many people who've left by reaction, we see that they lose their kids to the world yeah. because kids read the message the parents are sending that you, that this is that this is not important, that God's family is not important. Whereas when Paul is persecuting the church, Jesus says, "Why do you persecute me?" I don't think people see that when we mistreat fellow members in the body of Christ, we grieve the Holy Spirit. 
and we are treating Jesus the way we're treating them. Then we want him to bless us and, and <laughs> every kind of thing. I think those preachers are some of the most painful ones because often people don't realize them. Or if people have been in a church and been abused and they leave, they never really leave. There's spiritual connections to that church that often I've had to stand as a pastor and break and, and release people from oh words spoken over them, cursing spoken over them, uh, soulish attachments, spirit attachments into the, the trauma of what they went through. So it works two ways. It does One work people, two ways. People, yeah. People, yeah, people leaving uh, for, for the most trivial reasons because it just doesn't suit them or they don't get what they want. I mean, yeah, does the church meet your needs, Brent? <laughs> <laughs> On that basis, you'd have been out 20 years, 30 years oh. ago. So, so, or the other side of the coin, as we say, is the, the issue of where there's been abuse, abuse of leadership, yeah. and people have left and then been unable to move on. So yeah. I just prayed for someone the other day. And yeah. it's interesting what he said. He said, as you told me to open my heart to, to become conscious of the pain and to forgive the people, he said, when you prayed, I felt all this anger come up out of me and leave me. And he had, had no idea he'd carried it all these many years. You know, Mike, it, it, um, just to bring testimony to that, um, when my wife and I got married, through quite a supernatural process. We went to a small church in Auckland here for four years. The pastor was, very, was a bitter man. There'd been lots of troubles and so on in his life. And as, he, as, as the time of being in the church went on, uh, he just got more angry, more bitter. And it just got to a point where um, it was an abusive leader. And so we had no choice. If we wanted to further our, our faith, we, we did have to leave. And we went and saw him. We did it with, with, uh, with honour and respect and all the rest of it. Um, and, and I think it was a valid reason for leaving because I think he, there was an issue that he'd been very disobedient over. But here's the interesting thing. For probably several years, every conversation that I had referenced back to my, our time in that church and with that pastor, whether it was good or bad. And, wow. and eventually, I got to the point of realizing this is wrong. It's, yeah. just like, it's like my, my subconscious and my, and my spirit is, is, is still connected back there. Now, I didn't yeah. understand, Mike, what I understand today, but I knew I needed that connection to be broken. And so I went to the, the pastor that I had at the time and I told him about this. I said, please pray for me. And you know what, Mike, from that moment on, I never referenced back to that situation, that church, that pastor and so on again, because the spiritual connection was, was broken. And I believe that, that, that Patricia and I did that whole process of leaving that church in a very honourable and in a very godly way. I, I have no doubt about it. We were led of the Spirit, and I could prove all of that. But you see, that connection thing had never been dealt with. And so I agree there are the two sides. There are the sides of, um, even if you're under an abusive leader, there is still a godly way of leaving um, that, that, you, that you should go through. But, look, that's a whole other topic. But yeah. boy, hey, Brent, while, while you're on that, we're getting towards the end of our time. Since you've come through that and walked out, there's a revelation in your heart of this, mm. and you've been able to forgive and break the ties. What, what about now you pray for people who are watching? There'll be bound to be many who've 
move forward in their Christian walk, but it's not been with the blessing of a spiritual leader. There may have been uh, tension or there may have been actually outright abuse or even cursing or even words spoken that you will fail, you'll never come to anything, that you're out of the will of God. And that has followed them and tormented them because these are words spoken by a person mm -hmm. uh, authorized by God, not to speak that, well, but authorized nevertheless. Mm -hmm. And so therefore demons work with those things. What, what, what about you pray? Well, before I do that, let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. Um, when the Saturday that we spoke, we went and saw the pastor's wife and we honoured them. Said, but you know, we feel that God's called us to go. Um, we got home about half an hour later, and there was one of the elders of that church outside our house. He yelled and screamed at us till the point where the neighbours all came out on the road to see what was going on. And my wife said, quickly, get inside before he beats you up. Can you believe that? <laughs> see, the, see how they love one another. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I think, uh, you know, I mean, you, you are right. We, we're sort of three or four minutes away from our hour. Um, and, and we still haven't got to the question I want to get to. You know? uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll get there next, next week. week. But, um, yeah, we don't want to hurry it. We don't want to uh, hurry I, these things. Look, I think I, yeah. it's great you've got the questions there, but I think one of the values of what we're doing is allowing the Holy Spirit to just fill out what he wants to talk about. Yeah. And, and look, I, I agree with you. I, I, we've suddenly tripped into this whole issue of spiritual bonding, uh, the, the effect that, you know, negative experiences in church life. And, and I absolutely agree that a lot of people have had to leave churches because of spiritual abuse. But I'm going to say this. People use that as an excuse for not dealing often yeah, yeah, with issues. Yeah, right. and, and it's very careful that one understands what are the true signs of spiritual abuse rather than using spiritual abuse as an excuse for you to be independent, rebellious, and doing your own thing. <laughs> well, that's the bridge I know. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but we do go through these experiences, and they, and they do reveal, you know, some, here's, some of the things. Here's a, great, here's a great perspective. You know, Joseph was abused by his brothers, terribly abused and betrayed and sold into slavery and then suffered about 13 years of abuse and trauma and whatever. And when he spoke to his brothers, he said, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It was not you who sent me here. It was God who sent me here to be a salvation to you. So he had faced the pain and the trauma. He had moved past forgiving to seeing how God was using the situation to shape him for his destiny. And I, I think it's tragic when people are abused in church. There's no uh, uh, way to minimize or to uh, yep. uh, excuse the trauma of it. It's a gross misrepresentation of the father. It's uh, destructive to the person who experiences it. But our journey doesn't have to end there we can make a decision to lean into a father who loves us and not just forgive those who've done it, but allow God to bring into our life a grace that we can bring blessing to others who are free. Well, otherwise, yeah. you just, otherwise, you use it as an excuse to rebel, be independent, mm. not commit, not do this. Basically, 
you've allowed the other person to continue to victimize you for the rest of your life and steal away your inheritance. You know, what I decided to do from my experience was, and, and I know it was God that we went into that church for various reasons, no question. But whenever I reflect back on it and to people who may have known the church and known the pastor, I say this, God sent us there and we learned some amazing things. And here are some of the things that we got out of that church. I don't believe that I would have got from anywhere else. And one of the things was the whole revelation and experience of true worship, which we got out of this little church. Um, that we were going to. And you see, so there is all, I've made sure that despite all the stuff we went through, yep. I had to keep honour in my heart toward that pastor and that church and what God did through them in a positive way in my life. Yes. Well, we honour what is good and welcome it and thank God for it. Yep. And we forgive and bless and let go of the things that are negative. You know, Brent, I've discovered over the years that there's no perfect man of God. <laughs> there's no perfect church. So if you want to be offended, you can be offended. That's right. If you look even at the Bible, all the characters through the Bible who were called to be prophetic representatives of, of Jesus, and they all had a flaw in them. They all had a gaping gap in them. Jesus was the only perfect one. So I think that we can choose to look past the flesh of someone and see the authority and stature and revelation they carry from God and receive it. The other stuff, just it's not your job to do anything about it. Just pray for them and bless them. Yep. And if you leave, well, thank God for all the good and forgive and bless and let go of all the other stuff. That's how you mature. Okay. Well, Mike, look, we're coming to an end, and I, and I want to pick up on, on your um, recommendation. We pray for people, and so I, I want to do that. And I, I similarly have pray, prayed for many, many people who have got these spiritual bonds that have got those those things where they just can't break from the the controls or whatever, and they are not free to now connect and and begin to relate on a godly kingdom orientated basis. And so, if you for those of you who are listening to this this tonight, I want to pray for you, um, as I have prayed for hundreds, if not thousands, of people on a similar vein. That, that the, the ties and the controls on your life would be broken and that God would set you free to be able to connect them without carrying the indignation, the offense, or, or the uh, whatever it is. Justice. Injustice. The injustice. You know, and that is a good word because injustice is actually something we have to face and you've got to overcome injustice as part of the maturation process. So, Mike, I, I'm going to pray, and then I'd ask you to, to finish off praying um, sure. for everybody on, on this vein. So let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I, I want to suggest to people right now, if you feel that you need to have a spiritual bond broken, just put your hand in a symbolic way on your stomach right now. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each person that is recognizing the need to have this broken, these connections that are negative, that a father may be there because of abuse or injustice or just misunderstanding, whatever. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over those connections and I loose them from every listener right now in Jesus' name. We yes, sever the tie that binds. Yes. We loose people right now 
into the freedom of being a son and daughter of God without carrying, Father, the, the difficulties of the past. Father, just cut off right now the illegal bonds and controls in people's lives in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we just speak right now to every spirit, every word curse spoken over you as you departed the church. Words of failure, words of walking out from the will of God, words concerning your children, words concerning your finances. But in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we stand on behalf of pastors who have abused you. Mm. And we bring this sin this uh, abuse of leadership uh, responsibility, mm. this uh, misrepresentation of the heart of God our Father, this abuse of power and authority, and we declare it to be sin, grievous sin, not only against you, but against the Holy Spirit. Yes. We bring this sin to the cross. Father, we stand as pastors, representing the pastors and spirit and leaders who have done these things mm. and we repent on their behalf and we bring the sin to the cross asking lord not just to forgive the sin but cancel the power of every curse yes. that is spoken and uttered every misrepresentation that has been made and the gossip behind it that we ask all of it be silenced we ask lord that in the realm of the spirit you would now forbid all demonic assignments that have been initiated against people mm. because of these activities. Mm. Now we speak to you in Jesus' name. Yeah. I command now every spirit of curse, the curses of death, the curses of failure, the curses of poverty, I break them now. I break them out. The curses of rejection, the curses of abandonment, the curses of abuse, we break them now. We command the spirit of trauma I command you to release people now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we stand as, as spiritual fathers, and we decree blessing over you. We bless your life. We bless your ministry. We bless you in the things of the Spirit. We bless your finances with success and prosperity. We bless you with creative ideas. We bless your marriage. We bless your children. We decree the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Arise, shine, your light has come. Today we decree a new day beginning in your lives and ministry. We release the prophetic anointing over your life. We activate it in Jesus' name and call forth a fresh revelation from heaven in your life and journey. In Jesus' name, Thank amen. You. Amen. You know, um, before we close, uh, look, I know that there are some people that are listening here tonight that you need further help in this regard. In fact, there's a person here. Uh, it was around about 20, 21 years ago. You were in a the very type of situation. And as we were talking about this and started to pray, um, I, and I just saw you, you had your fists clenched. You were shaking with uncontrollable anger. And you actually need some further help. And, you know, we've got uh, ways to help you. Um, and some information will come across your screen or in the chat room uh, where you can text, um, I think it's 5860, hello, or prayer or something, I'm not sure, but you'll have the details there. And why don't you do that? And we have people that would be able to help you. Very good. Uh, just to get uh, help on this. Anybody else? Um, just have a look in the chat part of this uh, broadcast. 
Very or good. across your screen and you'll have a number to text ask for prayer and just i think you text the name prayer and and we are ready to help you to get free from these things pastor mike what a phenomenal night this has been um i'm just so grateful and uh, we are fully intending i know you're with me on this to continue down this track um and i'm going to start next week with romans 8. <laughs> sure we, we get to there but my open here i was expecting you to talk about it we just didn't quite make it no i was watching the time and i'm thinking it you know we we got 20 minutes okay, maybe yeah. we could start it up but no, we're going to do other things. Yeah. Mike, this has been absolutely outstanding. Thank you so much. Look forward to being with you uh, next Sunday night. Um, and we just share the word of God together. God bless oh, you. It's Thank a you. great joy. Love being with you. Thank you for the, the honor of just being a part of this and sharing with people. God bless. God bless.